As I walked on through Chattel Street, a fair maid I did meet. She asked me to see her home, she looked and blinked straight to me away. Santi, my dear Annie, oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka? The Long Haul Podcast, America's Irish Voice. Interviews with inspiring immigrants, renowned Irish personalities, and discussions on all things Irish America. Presented by Michael Dorgan and Johnny Kennedy. With the iconic Irish bar, the Mean Fiddler on Times Square being the latest bar to shut its doors for good, and with others only allowed to operate at a mere 25% indoor capacity, we ask if the New York City bar and restaurant industry can survive the cold winter months. This week we speak to Cormac McCormack, co-owner of the Pig & Whistle Irish Bar on 36th Street, which is part of the Pig & Whistle Bar Group. Cormac has been operating his bar since 2012 and, like others, was shut down in March due to the coronavirus lockdown. While he reopened in July, he is now considering shutting down again for the winter. His Pig & Whistle Bar, which is situated just two blocks away from Madison Square Garden, has lost the vast majority of its customers, with most events in the city cancelled. A surge in crime and an uptick in drug use on the streets has also discouraged some customers from coming into Manhattan. With foreign tourism non-existent and no guidance coming from the city or state officials, the outlook appears bleak for city bar and restaurants. The Long Haul Pub and Grocery on East 34th Street has remained closed during the shutdown and Johnny, the co-owner, gives us an update on the situation and provides some insight into negotiations with his landlord and the risks they face on reopening. We also touch on the GA scene here as Cormac was part of the New York senior football team's backroom staff this year before the game was cancelled. Cormac is also running to raise money for Play Rugby USA this weekend, which puts on rugby programmes for underprivileged kids. He chats to us about that fundraiser, and people can donate at playrugbyusa.org. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast. This will help us build our audience and ensure that we can get more podcasts to you more often. We started off by asking Cormac about his background and when he immigrated to America. Yeah, I got involved actually then, come into the city and moved to, started working in Langans there with Johnny actually. We had a good crew in there actually that time. And where is that for people that don't know Cormac? Langans used to be on 37th Street, just off Times Square. Okay, and you worked with Johnny for a couple of years there? Uh, it was a couple of months. Actually. <laughs> a couple of months. More like a couple of months. <laughs> I, I, I exited, he didn't exit. Yeah. So, so Cormac, you came out here on um, you. You came out in a Morrison visa, did you? Back in yeah. back in the nineties, as you said there. So, just tell it, talk us through uh, what a Morrison visa is for people who uh, might not know. A Morrison visa was, um, it was. I think it was a New York senator. He was. He was. Uh, he sponsored the visas back then. It was after the Donnelly visas. They were the first ones, I think. And basically, all you did was you you applied from home and you sent it in. You could send as many applications in as you wanted at the time. And uh, I was here about a year, year and a half when I got the mother of God rest her, gave me the phone call to say that she was after getting a big envelope from the embassy. So I think I went home about a week later and a week after that, see, I got my interview. See, back then, back then, Michael, not to just, sorry to stop you, Carmen. No, go ahead. And it's one of the worst things they've ever done, like, since here. People that were living here could apply. You yeah. could be illegal and you could apply. Yeah. Like, but back then, lads, because friends of mine, similar to Cormac, are in around 94, 95. I remember Austin going down. And you could just walk into the Ashton Center in Woodside. And the girls applied for you. Right. And they used to give it to the people that were living here. And then there was this hullabaloo. To be fair to them, they were trying to get rid of the illegal element here. 
and they were thinking of lads just stay at home and they'll apply for a home and then they'll come over but what was happening was and this literally happened to one of my cousins him and the girlfriend applied they said sure we'll see how we get on they come over they lasted two or three months didn't like it and they went home yeah. their visa was gone to waste then whereas Cormac was sitting in Montauk he knew now I'm a lifer I love it I'm staying he gets the interview and then he was able to go for it because it was brilliant but even there was a scare moment there was a couple of funny stories back then they announced that or it even might have been the Donnelly before that and they would say to people <clears throat> just hand yourself in and you get the visa I've talked yeah. to some people around here since I might have mentioned this before in the podcast month and that they would they just choose to say to them come down to Woodside sign yourself up of course all the Irish boys it's a fucking scam that's how they're going to yeah, get us they're going to round us up and a lot of lads went down and a, a lot of other lads didn't and I remember Anne-Marie Riley and Johnny Riley and all them McGuinness now they all went down and they all had their visas so that was similar to how Cormac would have got his like you're getting a, you're getting an 18 month trial and then you're like and I can actually get a visa to stay here Absolutely. I don't know how he said so he, now Cormac was your Cormac has a good few all, all his family are nearly here but was the older lads already here at that point yeah so the older brother Tom had a, he got one of the Donnelly visas okay and 80 was it, 85 or 86 and he keep it here and then I came out, and then my two other younger brothers came out. And did you say that for a period you even told them that you overstayed, and they still gave you the visa? Was that? It was yeah, when, a lot when, more I, went, when I went for my um, when I went for my interview, I would then I I I'd said to the mother going up there, I said, "Listen, I'm going to tell tell the truth. They'd probably know where I, I was there anyway." And your man asked me what I was doing the last year and a half or two years or whatever, and I said, "I was living in Montauk." I says, and he says, "What are you doing out there?" I said, "I was working." He, he yeah. told me at the time that you'd probably face a ban, or not a ban, he said a, a fine when you go back. I said, that's fine, I don't care. I'll pay the fine. Once I get the visa, it says I'm going back, I don't care. I know. And, so, and so then, the, so like the Morrison, did, that, uh, did you become a citizen then a couple of years later, or how did the, how did your the process no, go? You get a, yeah, you get the 10-year visa, and you, you can renew it as much as you want. Um, I actually haven't got my, uh, my citizenship yet. <laughs> well, I was just about to say, there's the amount of people that just keep renewing it. Oh, and it's every 20, 10 years. years. Yeah, so you, you just keep renewing it. Okay. It, Even though you are, you are, as people might know, you, you, are, you are married to an American and you have a young oh, son, yeah. son, 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 Leo, so there, there won't be any fear of, of, of you. No, no, they're not getting rid of me. <laughs> so, Carmen, did you work in the bar industry? Have you worked in the bar industry since you came over or were you doing other things and how did you manage to get into the bar industry? Uh, my brother Tom is a trained chef. So he was chefing out in Montauk and he got me in there. He actually I started off in the kitchen with him. He actually told a woman out there that I was a I was a trained chef as well at home. Five years of home economics. That's about all I had done. Great <laughs> <laughs> man for a bolognese. You were on the bolognese, you. <laughs> you were like it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I started off in the kitchen with him and cooked with him for a while and then I was going to come into the city actually at the end of that first summer. I was going to move into the city, and um, the woman out there, Nancy, actually, my ball boss, she uh, offered me to job in the, behind the bar and out on the floor. I said, ah, yeah, I'll take a chance. Yeah. I stayed out there and spent 10 years out there. And you know? then you're fake it till you make it, as they say. So did you, so you're involved with the pig and whistle um, couple of bars here in the city. Would you mind telling us, um, just explain what, there's because there's a couple of pig and whistles here in New York, and just to give us a, a short explainer on what the story is and yes. how would you describe them? Basically part of the Pig and Whistle group now we are. Um, there's two Pig and Whistles left now. There's one, my one on 36 and 7th, and then there's one on 48 between 5th and 6th, just off Rockefeller Centre. 
And then there's, let's see, what else? There's um, Broadstone and Toro Locos downtown on Broad and Stone Street. There's uh, Blooms is up in 58 between 2nd and 3rd. Um, O'Brien's is on 46 between 6th and 7th, just off Times Square. And then two over on the east side is the Flying Cock and the Horny Ram. Oh, so they're all under that umbrella. And then there's a couple um, of... Yeah, a couple like for your own for your own place, then you you, you own a portion of that with uh yeah we there's basically the the one co- the one common denominator would be John Mann okay he's involved in the mall and then just like different partners in each of them okay and just for the pig and whistle so, pig and whistle so there's four but two are after succumbing to the to the to the pandemic are they are they yeah forty six three one was the newest one it was opened there five years ago and. Uh, that went because uh, the land, there was no work for, with the landlord at all. He was never got, got no play off him at all. And then the one on Third Avenue, their lease was up this year anyway. They might, they'll probably go back into that building, but just right okay. now it was just made sense to. And, and does it so, age you at all, Cormac, when you actually look at um, <clears throat> you look at young John and Rob, and when you and I bartended in Langlands, I remember yeah. them coming in as kids. So yeah. Rob would Rob would work very much hands on with with Cormac and that and John <clears throat> young John would run Kennedy's in Dublin. Kennedy's in Dublin. But, yeah. uh, but Michael, these lads used to come over like when they were on their summer holidays, come over to see their dad. And I'd be talking to Rob now. Like I definitely have Peter Pan syndrome, but he definitely. Yeah, oh God, yeah. absolutely. I'd be chat- I was chatting to Rob there a while ago, and he's just had his first baby. That's and right. I remember him. I remember him and the brother coming in, and they both looked like Eminem, like you know what I mean, with the bleach blonde hair. Bleach blonde hair. Remember that, yeah. And the two lads. And now they're fair play to them. They're doing great and great lads. Like, but it really does age when you look at them. Yeah, yeah. And in fairness, uh, they're they're two great <coughs> lads. So yeah, they really are. They're brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So, so they lived in Dublin the whole time, Michael. The lads did. All right. Okay. With their mother, basically, and but John, uh, uh, John would have been back and forth a lot. Back and forth, yeah. And still is like you know probably spend most of his time I think in Dublin. So the lads kind of grew up in Dublin and now they they were both here for a long time. And I think John then went home to run Kennedy's and Rob basically lives here now and works for Cormac and the lads are running the places. Yeah, he goes <coughs> mostly basically um, downtown a good bit with Broadstone and Toro Loco and stuff. He's been brilliant with them places. They've been yeah, they're flying. Now would he have been behind just to do a little bit on the pig and whistle thing? Like John was young John. Like it's great. To, like his dad is up there now and he's great. But I always have a genius like the whole like changing to the flying cock, the horny ram and all and moving with the times even with them and the places look exactly by their names like oh, yeah. they are class like they really are and obviously a big factor then it's great like be able to bring the younger lads in like that like the two lads so you know having a bit of vision in that sense like especially in the neighbourhoods they're in like where you are and where you and I would have worked years ago no offence all around the areas Times Square if you get it right in any way it was all that That's kind it. of paddy wackery was that yeah. paddy wackery bars back then and everyone loved it and there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it, and they'll still work, and they'll always work. Absolutely. I love, yeah. I love when lads say to me, "Ah, that old wood shot, you know, that's gone. You got to get rid of it." Really? Not, not in Midtown. <laughs> not fucking not anywhere. No, really, like all really. Dublin and the Palace and all these places. Yeah, that wood shit. Yeah, it's only been gone for two hundred fifty years, lads. So, 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 Cormac, your own pig and whistle there. It's kind of like it's kind of two stories. It's a big, expansive space. You're, yeah. I suppose, you'd be kind of a rugby bar, wouldn't you? You're, you've kind of built your bar around that over the last couple of years, and you're close to Madison Square Garden. Will be a big kind of uh, draw, uh, customer draw for you. So, with tourism and with the pandemic, you've been just completely, I suppose, decimated. Decimated, decimated really. 
yeah that's that's basically all you can say you know we're just lucky we we got um you know the the landlord's been unbelievable for us okay we got we got so lucky that way you know i mean our first meeting with him about the whole thing and he came in and it, the first thing he said was he was after taking the train down from up up up, up the top of the city and he said there was there's 50 carts in a in, in a rail car which i never knew before either 50 seats sorry and uh, he said there was 10 people on it or five people on it so that was like 10 percent. he says there's less than 10 percent of my building here he said and so he knew straight away he knew he knew yeah. the deal and we had a good chat that day and he came back to us with some numbers and he was like and he i i don't mind telling you he came he came, he did he brought our rent down to a third of what we were paying okay and so just to give some clarity to some of the other landlords yeah. is he's obviously in a better position to do that I, yeah you know i think I mean. so yeah, he's only a few buildings and stuff like that. Yeah, so you've got to give so, him. but he's a I, good. I, I, yeah, but equally, even if a fella doesn't have it, some of them are foolish. Some of the landlords are just—it's you've got you've got like no bar owner out there is looking for a handout. No, they're not looking for. They're not. No. They're just looking to be reasonable. There's not a bar owner out there that is even—he'd be happy breaking even would even be a, a luxury for him right now. Some of them would take the hit just okay, to yeah. keep lads in jobs. Like, there's not a bar owner out there that's trying to open money, open at the moment, to actually make money. No. I could care less. Absolutely he would take not. a hit. If you could tell a bar, a bar owner he's going to take a monthly hit of whatever figure you make up, if he just knew that that's what it was, if he had a landlord working with him, he would. But also, to give landlords a bit of, like, a bit of defense on their end, too, there's nothing been done for the landlords either. Like, well, you know what I mean. I was, you took the words out. I was just going to say that to you because I, I listened to your last, I, I, your last um, podcast and what yeah. you said the last time, Johnny, about the landlords are getting, they're getting no help, mm. zero. Like, and it's easy to say like this. Everyone thinks this. Like, I've not to repeat myself in the last time, but not every landlord is huge. Like, no. So to see when when you get a guy like that talking to you like that, that must have been. A serious relief for you that was, night, like to sleep that huge. night. Like. I mean, he came in that morning. We we met him that day, and, and I was like, we walked out with myself and Des and Pat were there. And we just looked at each other. We were like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> was that back in March, Cormac? Did he approach you just when the shutdown happened, or? No, that was in. That wasn't until July or August. We were open actually. We were at, we, we reopened in July, so. It's probably the third or fourth, third week in July, I think, something like that. Okay, and did you did you have to pay? Did you owe the rent then for April, May, no. June? What was? There no, was a, we, similar to yourselves, Johnny. You were able to um, four months rent. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, and that's that. That doesn't get mentioned enough. Like there is landlords that are trying as well. Yeah. Again, Absolutely. then they're then there are people looking at them, and you've a, you have a governor then saying, "Give us, you know, we want our full taxes, you know, commercial ah. nothing. They've done nothing for them." Like, and we don't want to turn this into one of these shows, but people going around and praising Como and praising this and that. And that. like, I had a friend, I, I had someone recently say to me, like, you know, when I said I had no time for Como, and they said, okay, but apart from the bars, what is it you don't like about them? What else, what else do I need? It's my livelihood. Yeah. Apart from the bars, what else don't I like about them? Yeah. What else is there? What else has he done? And again, we're not going to turn it into about him, but it's good that you, the landlord there that's looking at that. Oh, yeah, we were. And clearly he gets the bar business to a point. He's looking at it. Like I, I know of another friend of mine, like in Morris would mind me mention his name, yeah, like in Mulligan's. Yeah. And the landlord's attitude there to the to when he was trying to negotiate with Morris, he actually said to a broker or something along the lines of like it's it's a two story building on Madison Avenue. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be necessarily a bar. We can get someone else in there. 
Yeah. Like what world is this fella living in? Mm. Who's going in there? Yeah. Buddy, but, there is no high street anymore. There's no there's no handbag shop going in there. Yeah. No, not, not, not a shoe shop. Like, so was, I don't know what he's talking about. There was something on there the other day. There was something the other day too, which I read that was like ninety percent of landlords wouldn't negotiate, which was blew my mind that figure. Yeah. That I was like, holy crap. I mean You think Cormac from talking to lads and um, yeah. do you think no, do you think yourself from chatting to different lads and stuff? And I was glad to hear there and it was interesting when Michael asked you when you done the deal with him, was that March or April? And I was glad when you said no, it was July. Do you feel by talking to friends and certain lads, and I'm not judging anyone on this on anyone, but too many lads tried too hard to do deals very early on. Early on. They were way too eager to do them. Now Someone could be sitting here, close friends of mine, that I'm not judging because their landlord might have been on the phone to them straight away. Yeah, of course. But I'd yeah. no, I'd no interest in negotiating with my landlord early doors. What was the point? You no. could even make that argument now, even like if you're not open now, like we don't know where we are in this. Are we halfway through it? Are we a third of the way through? It? Where are we? So, I get it. You have to negotiate with them at some stage. And I started negotiating with my guy around the same time you did. But there was a lot of lads that were. And they're, I get it, they've anxiety and they've multiple places. They couldn't just sit at home and not negotiate. But my attitude was, I owe him money. Why would I be going near him? Exactly, yeah. Why, why and let him, yeah. Yeah, let him come to me. Because I was with a certain uh, person like that has a couple of bars in Midtown there. It's not Macker, by the way. Macker will be next week. But no, someone else. And he was genuinely excited about the deal he had done. I met him at a funeral. And he was like, yeah, I've done this great deal. And he's deferred the rent, half of the rent. And then for next year, he's given it to me at this. And I wasn't preaching or it wasn't that I was the expert, but I, he says, oh, it's a great deal. And I just said, geez, it is a great deal, but only if we open in September. Yeah. I said, what if we don't open? And I think I'd said, what if we don't open till Christmas or even after? And he I remember him saying at the time, he said, well, uh, yeah, you're right. But he said, hopefully. Now, without naming names, that landlord now will not negotiate with him. Nope. And he's running the risk of losing his bar now. And the landlord has literally told him straight out, we've already done a deal. I'm not. I'm. I I gave you a deal back in April, and I want you to honour that. <clears throat> My right. friend wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong to go and negotiate. There's no right or wrong in this. Oh, there's, there no is right a lot of, there's a lot of luck involved in it. But now the landlords are coming around because they realise now, like we we've no affiliation to it, so I don't mind saying this in the podcast. The rumour is that the Irish pub, which has been closed for a long time. He's looking for a fraction of what it was when Eugene left. Oh, that was... Um, and that was like 70,000, I think, a man was looking for. So he was looking for 75,000 last January or something like that. Well, mm. the rumor is, pretty good rumor is now, he's looking for less than a quarter of that. Like, that gives you an idea of where we've gone, lads, in six months. That and he still, won't, he still won't get that. And he still won't get it. That's the sad part. He'd be as well off looking for the 70. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, may, he may as well just, like, you know, try, try dupe someone into getting it. But it equally shows you how inflated that rent was and how ridiculous that was, that that man can justify now looking for less than 20. That shows you where his figure was. You know what I mean? That is the type of landlord I wouldn't have sympathy for. No. So can you imagine Can you imagine being the, f- the future tenant that's going to get in bed with him? Yeah. Can you imagine the heartache you're going to have to deal with with him? Forget about it. But that just gives you a, sc- a scale, Michael, of what the rents are with bars at the moment and how bad it is like. Yeah, I think Macker, as he said it, I think it was published. I think he said he was paying 48 grand for that area for the mean fiddler. So, and uh, just I was in there last weekend, and the girls in there said that the 
to Lanard. It was no, he wasn't negotiating, he wasn't taking any cut, and that's why ultimately why the place has has folded. It's closing this weekend. So, well, so they're just talking about the, the mean filler. They're actually there. There's someone said to me yesterday. I can't remember. It might have been days actually. It was said there was something about uh, the put the, your man put the guy the horns that put, he, the cup is the cup of Cabana there, Johnny. Yeah, it's yeah, above it and around it. That's it. gone. Yeah. This guy talking about putting uh, some sort of a museum or a wax museum in there. Lovely. Just what the city needs. Excellent. Sure, there's loads of wax museums out there. Listen, but the, see, they, they, they're being an isolated case. I know, hopefully, Michael's going to come on with us next week as a marker, but there's an element there too from a friend, and it's easy for me to look at Cormac's situation, and I might have an opinion about it. Cormac can have an opinion about mine. The emotional attachment for someone like Michael when he's involved in there. Like, I've had friends of mine text me and say about a mean fiddler knowing that I'd friendship with Michael, and he'd say, Ah, oh, Jesus, like it's only bricks and mortar. Look how much money he made out of it and stuff. But Michael knows all that. He's smart enough. We all know that. But the difference with him, myself, Cormac, the likes of Marker, Morris, and all these lads, and even the likes of Carl Kieran and as like that, this is our industry. Yeah. We don't have another industry. And I'm not <laughs> knocking anyone that's not in it. But there's lads in construction that always get into bar. And deep down, and everyone has a fantasy about owning the bar. We all know that. It's, I don't care who you are. Baseball players, football players, they all want to own yeah. the bar. But we don't know any different. And I don't mean education-wise. We don't want to do anything different. No. This is our industry. Yeah, so when you watch do. Michael's video, it's very easy for me. And I could even say to Michael, and I have said it in person, Michael get emotional on the video and stuff like that. But Michael didn't build the mean fiddler or want the mean fiddler so he could sit at home and ring in the next morning, how much do we make and how much do we do? You could go into the mean fiddler on a Friday or Saturday night at any stage and there's a good chance you're going to bump into Michael or Pat, his brother, at some stage in the night. Yeah. And it's not because they hate their wives. They love both the women. Like, don't get me wrong. But genuinely, <laughs> that, that is genuinely, the, these lads care about it. I was only talking to a guy at lunch today about the mean fiddler. And you could argue, say, when we all went to a Cormac in the early days, that place has probably flipped over twice since you and I might have been in it at some point. God, yeah. And I remember, I remember the lads doing it up there a while ago, and they've done a great job with the entrance, wheelchair accessible, wallpaper and everything. And I remember someone saying, so why would you bother doing that up? Because of, they seen it as a different thing, as a success they had. And they were, but like, like a guy with his golf swing, like why did poor Carrington mess around with his golf swing after he won three majors? Because he was always messing around with his messing golf swing. Messing around anyway. And Michael McNamee and Pat especially would be driven in that way constantly looking and constantly turning so when you see something that they built over 15 years or something like that to be just easily taken away and for a landlord just to say oh listen i'm not going to work with you and just yeah. to finish on that and i know we'll talk about it more hopefully with michael next week that landlord is going to be back begging them within the next two or three months personally i think as a mate of makers it's the best thing that's ever happened to him because he's one less thing to worry about and you're dealing with a landlord like that the stress that's involved with that. Oh, yeah. My point to Cormac, he went home that night and probably had the best night's sleep he had all pandemic because he realised what he had in this landlord and vice versa. Macker has been fighting and battling with that landlord since the 15th of March. And this is a landlord. And by the way, we're complimenting the lads. Nobody else would have stayed in there for 15 years and turned that into what it was. I was in that when it was the piano bar and mm -hmm. I left it that day thinking, holy shit, what are they doing buying this yeah. place? They had a low ceiling. It was brutal. Nobody, the last two people I didn't have gone through, nobody would have made that bar what it is. So if that landlord thinks he's going to get somebody else in there, and I don't care what rent he gives it into, they are the mean fiddler. 47 between 7 and 8 is not the mean fiddler. It's the bar staff, it's Ducky, it's Macker, and it's Pat. So 
I, these landlords, they're the ones that really piss me off because they don't know what they have. Them boys never missed fucking rent in 15 years yeah. and brought them up. And the only reason the cabana became successful afterwards because the, the volume the lads brought to that street. You could be sure when the fella came around the corner to get the cabana, he, knew, he, like, he scouted that area at weekends and he'd probably seen all these people there. The reason oh, yeah. they were on the street, it wasn't because of that pizza that we all had at half five in the morning oh. in the corner place. It was nothing to do with it. It was the mean fiddler. She'd see the crowds outside and you'd see people pulling up. She's the cabana's busy tonight. They were yeah. crowding outside. They were outside the mean fiddler. Yeah. Granted, they were Irish people are probably out there smoking, but you know, at the same time. <laughs> Carbox, so what did you when you opened in July then you were just just outdoor then for a couple of months? Uh yeah. did you have much room out there? Where what was the did it was the road closed outside and how, how did it go for you? Yeah, it was uh we we ended up with five tables outside, which is nothing anyway. Well, we just, the reason we got open really was just to get ourselves back out there again so people would get used to us being around and just so we know, you know, there's people know we're, we're back and we're there, you know, we're not going anywhere. And uh, we figured, I mean, we had the PPP money anyway, so you, had to, you have to use it anyway. Cormac, but, do um, you see it? Sorry, Cormac, I'll just ask you real quickly. Do you see or foresee, you're, you're in there every day, so you see it more than the rest of us. Do you anticipate a lot of bars closing soon now? with the pandemic money running out I, and with the weather turning, do you see in the next three to four weeks a lot more bars closing? And I don't mean closing people walking away, but people going back to, because just to, for people that don't know, you get the PPP money and you have a certain period of time to use a Cormac, right? And yep. a lot of the people that would have got it, will you correct me on this now, is that period ending in November for Ends some people? Middle of November for us, yeah. Right, so then that's when people have to sit down and go, okay, you know, yep. is this, what way are we going? If the city don't do something as regards, if the government don't give another stimulus package, PP loan, which I believe they will, yeah, whether I think it's going to happen, but is it going to happen? It's obviously not going to happen this side of the election. No. We all know why. You know, he said, she said, I want to take credit for all that crap. Right. Meanwhile, all our livelihoods are getting played, you know, they're playing political tennis with it. But do you foresee in the next, if that money doesn't come in, even in the next two weeks, there is bars going to close within the next fortnight. Oh, they will, yeah. I uh, totally agree with that. I, uh, and we even talked about ourselves, actually. We were just talking about this the other day, actually. Maybe we'll just go to the end of November, we'll see how it goes, and just close for a couple of months. Because we'll have no Christmas parties. No. We'll have no tourists. Yeah. There's, no, there's no Broadway. Parties there's nobody there. in the city. Like, we could give 110 reasons why we know it's not all there. But just the, the side note of it is, like, personally, you'll be fine. You know what I mean? And no disrespect, and you'll be fine personally. Des will be fine. John will be fine. Yeah. But we all have families that work in kitchens. Oh, you have staff. Exactly. Where are these people going to get money from? That's... Where are these, like, you just have to stand outside the food places and the queues outside. Like, guys, this is 2020, fucking 20, and this is what's happening. Yeah. Where are these people going to go? How many did you employ, Johnny, in the long haul? And Cormac, same for you. And what have you gone down to now operating the way you are? Either one can take that. Uh, well, before I, before everything, I had what did I have there? Thirty-two people. Wow! And, uh, and down to what are you working at? What are you operating <clears> at now? Working on right now, I have one, two, five. Whoa! Two in the oh. kitchen. I have two girls splitting the shifts, and uh, bus boy. Two bus boys. Sorry, I have six. It's bus boy split the days, three and three each. And I only went back. I was only doing Monday to Friday days. We were closed by seven, eight o'clock most nights. So we were because there's nothing Even over there. Even the anxiety, like Michael, I had about 15, I would say. Now, we've worked out pretty well, like, but, but 
no disrespect to staff, my other yeah. staff. Yeah, but no disrespect to my other staff. It's genuinely the four lads, the five lads through the kitchen, like between the both. They're the ones that I was like, we all know why. Like, we know yeah. the reason without stating it. We all know yeah. why. Like, these, where did these turn? Like, where are these people yeah. going to go? Yeah. Like, and they're forgotten in this whole thing. Like, like even if you're illegal and you're from Ireland and we're stuff like that, we can go back to Ireland, lads. Yeah. These people don't have that. And their kids are embedded and their kids are American. They have American kids now. You know what mm. I mean? And I agree, and I've probably said this before. These all pay taxes. They've paid taxes in some shape or form. Either oh, run their own. You go to the, the supermarket, they're paying taxes. Mm. Yeah, but like I, I, I know from some places, I'm including myself, a lot of them are working on their non resident tax ID numbers. Yeah. So they actually, the numbers are tied to them. So why, I know, that, look, again, you could have a serious backlash of this, but like they've paid taxes under that number. At least let them get paid back under that number. Yeah. And when that runs out, then that's fine. Like I paid my guys under the PPV loan. But like the state, the, the laws of that are to stay within the guidelines of that. I can only do that for eight weeks. And mm. I've done it. And I did it for eight weeks. But yet they weren't working. But so what's that, Johnny? Do, do, they have, they have another number that they're paying tax into that obviously is, um, <laughs> is a different identity or what's the... No, you no, can yeah. get a non-resident tax ID number. I had one. When I was illegal, me and my brother, we had them. And they were under their names. Oh, you right, can go okay. down and you can get them. It's like an and I-9 or Okay. Yeah, they are legitimate. But like the problem is... And they were just being bullish about it. A lot of payroll companies wouldn't take them. Oh, but yeah. I know from experience, from experience then when we started in the long haul and stuff like that, we basically told them, why do you take them or we're going somewhere else? And they did take them eventually. Yeah, they'll so take I them. Have, but they will take them. They're just tell you, in the round. Yeah, they're, yeah. Basically, they're, they're basically all they're telling you is like, you know you get in trouble if we... If it's you, on you. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it goes back to the other thing. This is New York City. New York yeah. City doesn't function without these no, people. And it's, like it's, all, it's all about people saying, get rid of this and get rid of that. The big cities in America don't function without these people. No. Like, just get that out of your head. You know what I mean? And I don't want to say American kids don't want to do it. And American kids are great. I, I've seen many American kids working in the kitchen. And Cormac would have seen it out in Montauk. The majority of them were oh, American yeah. kids and Irish kids. and all. It's not a factor of that. It's that these people need it. Like, you go up around, like, you know, Arthur Avenue and up around these places. These places, I, I, I cringe, lads, when I see one of my lads texting me. Because I know, and I don't care about the financial end. But my fear is for them, where they're going to go. Like, where, where are they going to end up? Like, this is going to be some winter for these people. Like, where mm. we can rely on a stimulus package, but that's the only way we can get money into their pocket. Then, mm. but uh, just to go back there, Mike, sorry about yeah. the with the like when you open up there in July, like we built this outdoor yeah. seating. I mean, what did that talk, cost, Carmel? Just what did that cost? Uh, you? Two, is just it? over two and a half grand it cost us to build that one. Okay, I mean, and that was not that was just basically. Yeah. You know, a few boxes around about, and I mean, they broke our balls over that. Jesus, I had four guys in in one week checking on that one. It's crazy. How often did it come near you now, Cormac? SLA or any of them? Did it uh, come I after the first few weeks? Do you see I them haven't, at all? I haven't had the SLA in at all. I've had the uh, health department and I've had the uh, fire department in. That's Regu- all. How, how regularly? Will they uh, just once. And the health department actually called me. <laughs> they give called me a heads up. Yeah, give me a heads up for coming in. They're not doing, they're doing like a. They're not doing a, a, a regular uh, inspection. Right, they're not going around looking for fruit flies, basically. No, no. They're not doing all that crap. Unless, unless it's something major, she said, it, it's not, you're not going to get written up or anything. And it was just going nope. through COVID regulations. And the amount, of COVID, the amount of regulations and paperwork we have. I mean, I have it all lined I've heard up. That. I've heard Vincent told me the amount of paperwork and everything involved with it is just... It's it, 
But it's also the lack of inconsistency on their end. They don't oh, yeah. even know what it is. Nah, they don't. And there's boys coming in. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's guys coming in that, that week I had the four people in. There was one week, there was two of them had no idea what they were doing. Jeez. But they're, they're contradicting each other, basically. That's all they're doing, you know? McCormick, when you hear a bar is getting big fines and stuff without naming them, we've heard of this bar and that bar. Yeah. Like, you've told me there, and I've heard nearly everyone has told me similar to you. Like, Tom in the bank told me to come in at the start. They made sure this was right, that was right, blah, blah, blah. And Tom says, I haven't seen them since. Yeah. Now, in the defense of a couple of bars that I know that have got hefty fines, the lads are just trying to survive. That's all, yeah. They're literally trying to survive. You're breaking their balls because they sold the gold drinks, which you allowed them to do. And because you didn't sell them food with it. And now he's going across the road and he's standing outside someone else's bar and you're giving him a hefty fine. Yeah. The guy's not, he's not, he's not serving a five in the morning and he's trying to ram them in and make extra money. The guy, again, is trying to feed families and keep the doors open. So they, again, to go back to the ripple effect of it, you have a governor that's not giving a landlord a break. You have a break, a landlord that's not giving a break to the bar owner. Now he's three families looking at him, including his own family. Then he does, sells a couple of extra drinks or something, or there's people congregating outside his bar that we can't even prove whether he did them. And they mm. give him a fine to say he's not exercising social distancing. He's yeah. not enforcing social distancing. Like, how in God's name can a guy get a hefty fine for that? Like, that's just breaks my heart, lads. I think they came out at one point and said you were, you were liable with talking about the outdoor dining and, and drinking and stuff like that. Like, you were liable up to a thousand feet within your, from your uh, business or something like that. And I'm like, what? In Manhattan. In Manhattan. Manhattan. Like, Good man. How do you come up with that one? So, have the city given any indication, lads, about where the figures have to go to increase the percentage of people with inside uh, a bar? Like, it's at 25% now. Oh, 50%. I don't know. I don't think so. I know a lot of people are texting, oh, it's 50 in November. But again, everyone just assumed it was going to be 15 November. There's been no talk of it. Yeah. There's been no mention. Am I right, Cormac? Is there There's been absolutely zero from the city. This, this, these guys, these crew running this city right now are absolutely, they're beyond useless now, in fairness. There's nothing, there's nothing coming from the city. You're getting nothing from them. And what's going to happen? Like, I, I was in the city Saturday and it was cold and everyone's outside and, you know, you're concerned about COVID being inside, but are people not going to get sicker if they're out, out in the freezing cold? And what is going to, what is going to happen? What I'm fine with people now actually, they're actually in the, on the cold days. They're they're afraid. They're actually people. A lot of people are uncomfortable to come inside. They don't want to go inside. That's the problem See, we have now. To that to that point, Cormac, um, and I can see again where we all we all buy into because we're, we've been in that much of depths of despair. Now we get excited. Like when they said twenty five percent, Michael, lads were going wow. Like the lads won't mind me mentioning this, but in Haswells, their capacity is about four hundred and fifty people or something. Right? Yeah, huge. So lads are. Do- the lads are doing the maths on that. That's easy. We can all do the maths on that. Now you start thinking, blah, blah, blah. The big thing is that everyone, not that we're forgetting, there's nobody in the fucking city no. to make it, to get them 100 people. And then on top of that, Finson was trying to get, the first night Finson was sending us pictures, the first night was 25%. Nobody wanted to sit inside. Now it was nice outside, lads, but it wasn't. Listen, you could have took it either way. But he ended up asking a couple of the guys he got chatting to, one of them actually was a doctor. Training to be a doctor, he's in medical in the medical field, and he just said, "You know what? With the stuff that was going on in the media in the last two days about the COVID and the spreads, again, he said, I would just prefer not go inside. Like that's what you're dealing with, and that's what Cormac is saying. Like he generally, people are like, you know what? And I applaud people for that. I I, I think it's good that they're not recklessly saying, let's oh, go yeah, inside. Oh no, yeah, not piling in, yeah. 
and that's great that people are thinking that way. But where does City think? Like when Cornwall turns around after the lads, when it was the two marches were done, and Cornwall says, these people seem to forget I gave them outdoor seating. That's extended. I gave you outdoor seating, and you want to pat yourself on the back for it. Why don't you go off and do a bus, book signing or take a couple of sunbeds, pal? Would 50% work for you, uh, Cormac, if you were in November, you were thinking about closing? What, do you, what would... What's 50% the... won't, work. It won't work because you're, you're not, you don't have the people in there. Yeah, you don't have anyone... I don't have the people in there for 20, 25%. Yeah. And my place, I mean, you know the size of it, it's a, it's my size, my place is pretty big, but it's only uh, 150. So I only have 37 people legally. All right, okay. The other thing, Michael, sorry, to, oh, I think we might have brought this up the other day. And again, it's another funny thing about New York, which kind of makes it great. There's a lot of bars out there that couldn't even have a public assembly. They actually <laughs> don't, they don't have a public assembly. So when the fire department would have come in over the years, the fire department kind of, you know, turned a blind eye. Not to turn the blind, fire departments don't walk into bars on Saturday nights and yeah. say, you're only supposed to have, like the long haul is only something like 70 people, lads. If I count the staff and all of it, now, this is what you admire, you love about customers and your lads and mates that are not in it. And it's great. One of my mates is kind of looking at me and I know he's thinking, 25% sure, Johnny, anytime I'm in there, it's never that packed. So what difference would it make at 25%? Yeah, but I'm banking at some stage when you leave, when you're here in the morning. I'm relying on my GEA games. I'm relying yeah. on your Paddy's days. People think the bars are packed the whole time and you're making this type of money. You get your Paddy's day money to nearly cover you through a lot of the summer. Right. And now when you get your guy and you get your other thing, these are just bumpers. And then you have your Christmas parties that get you to Paddy's Day. Yes, it's all very fine. Saying, You're talking only 15, 20 people. Yeah, but now I have to put enough food in there yeah. to fill that menu. I have to turn on. I'm stating the obvious here, but you know what I'm saying? We never abided by them public assemblies. Nobody does. And the fire department don't mind that you don't. Once you have the fire exits and you have everything in the right place. But in the fire department's defense now, they now have to go in. Now they have to abide by it. Now they look at it and go, hang on, mate, here, you're only supposed to have 25 people. As Cormac says, 30 people. But again, you could go on about this all night. As Cormac said there, Michael, the people aren't in the city. There's no. nobody in there. That's, you could give 100%. And no disrespect to the marches, Cormac. I'd love to know your opinion on them and all. There's good intentions in all of them in the sense. But marching for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. We're marching asking for 100%. And yet, A, we couldn't get 100% if you wanted. But if I get 100%, I don't have a citizen last one. If I get 100% and then my landlord hears about that, his sympathy will go out there. Even your good guy, good. landlord, is going to say to you, listen, Cormac, I heard on the news last night, you're going with 75% now. We might need to sit down and talk again. And he doesn't want you to, he doesn't want to hear you saying then, oh, well, the people aren't there. He's going to go, well, hang on. I'm yeah, glad we, we didn't get 50%. Yeah, we, we did a whole amended lease in everywhere, so we, we put everything in paper. You're good. We're all good there. And Cormac, he would have relied on, there's been a couple of, of course, the boxing with Madison Square Garden and other events. Like I was like I was in there for one of the Michael Conlon after parties. And like, of course, you're going to be relying on on events like that, just like the Paddy's Day and all that to get you through. It's that kind of boost. That's just kind of shot of uh, a busy night that you're just, it's not, oh, it's not happening till, let's, let's say, probably won't be a Paddy's Day or next year. I'm a pretty optimistic person at the best of times. And, I don't see it. I don't know where it's coming or where it's ending. I have no idea. I mean, the garden is huge for us. It's absolutely, the garden is, is 100% huge for us. It's massive. You know, it's like you have Billy Joel there one night, one night a month and he's, it's unbelievable, you know. He, right. he covers you nearly a whole week for you. you know, and then you've got the Rangers. The Rangers crowd are great. Knicks aren't that good, but 
they're crap anyway at the moment. But <laughs> the, the crowd, just the crowd yourself, isn't it? It's not, the, it's not a drinking crowd, you know. But the Rangers crowd were great. And then you've got all the concerts in the garden. Yeah. You know, and all that stuff. And so... And you're like like a two blocks away from the Cormac. How yeah. close are yeah. you to the garden? You're two, two blocks. blocks. Yeah. It's pretty sick. But to put a bit of a spin on Cormac, because I don't want everyone to say, oh, here we go, another doom and gloom. I know you say you don't see where it ends, but I know you are an optimist. When a vaccine comes out, and whether it works or it doesn't, or whatever way it is, when people just even know there's one there, that will change a lot of things, I think. And also when this election change, whatever happens, whatever, whatever way it goes. Whatever way it goes, yeah. That will change a lot of stuff because at least either side has to generate things for the city. The key factor is, I think some of the good things have come out of this. I personally, from talking to a lot of people, I don't know what you think, I think they've discovered here as well, not everybody's crazy about working from home. No. Not, everyone, not everyone is doing cartwheels. Everyone was telling us for years, oh, that's the way it's going forward. Whether it be the wife or the husband or the partner, not everybody wants him or her at home the whole time. Mm. And I think the amount of tax breaks they will eventually give the big companies and stuff to get back into the city, I do think that will come around. I genuinely, when it's early days, I've said this is a 24 month, it's going to be a 24 month problem no matter what. Yeah. I don't think it'll, I don't want to say I don't think it'll ever go back to It's just going to be different for me. But if our landlords get in line as well and our rents are reduced to whatever yours is to now, but even when yours goes up, it's never gone back to the number it was. No. It can't. It can never go back to that. It can't. It just can't. It can. He can handle it. So landlords offering this rent and that rent, it's never gone back to them days, lads. I think vaccine comes in, tax breaks for the office, middle of next summer, things start moving around a bit. I would say by next Christmas, like September or October, that we we have to learn to live with this and it will be something that people getting into bars will be different. It might just change a lot of things, but I do think there is light. At, well, light at the end of time is probably the wrong thing, but my positivity of it is, I think we just genuinely are going to have to sit this out, A, till there's a vaccine and then we see what happens. Yeah, and I think the city, what the city will do to the thing. The vaccine thing will be interesting because I think a lot, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the vaccine and when it comes out and how it comes out and how it's going to be dispersed and all that sort of thing, you know? And who takes it? I mean, who knows? You don't know who's going to take it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I don't think that that's. I, I agree with you in that sense. But I just think the way we're all media driven and the way everything is, yeah. just knowing it's there, knowing exactly. it's there. That's it. I'm 20 years here, lads, and I've never took a flu shot. No, I get asked every year, and I've never took one, and I'm no, not against them. Neither have I. But, I, but like, I, every time I'm in CVS around that time, I say, "Do you want a flu shot?" And I say, "No." I was in mm. hospital recently, and they said, "Do you want a flu shot?" Do you ever take? And I said, "No." And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I've nothing against them, but I just said, to your man, I've never had it. So why would I start having one now? But I know it's there, lads. Would I give it to a child that I had tomorrow? Probably would. Yeah, I would have. That'd be different. Oh yeah, Leo. But Leo no, gets. He gets a. Flu yeah. But no one does a vaccine out there. If if they come out tomorrow and say, "Don't a vaccine on a fellow in Africa, lads. He's flying now. He's running around. He's fucking going nuts." I swear to God, lads, would be like, "Stay out there. Open the bars tomorrow." Yeah. And I swear to God, I'd be like, "That's grand. There's a vaccine there in Africa. Should we come on? We go into the pub." In yeah. your head, psychologically, you would. Yeah, that, that's, and that's all it is. The psychological element of knowing something's out there. I've said this before, and I'm probably a bit crude. And so, this is our age, lads. This is this is our age. You know, yeah. and people are going to have to learn to. People are going to have cut to learn to out. Like, I left it in the last time. I just might as well keep leaving it in now. Like. <laughs> yeah, but it is, isn't it? Like, 
but it, like it's something that we are going to have to learn to live with. Yeah, there absolutely. I think so. Yeah, I think so. There, there, there has to be kind of another perspective on it, or kind of another approach to it. We're not going to get completely get rid of it. And if there is a vaccine, I don't think everyone's going to get it. But at the same time, I see what you're saying, Johnny. It's going to, it's going to give confidence to the politicians to just open things up a bit more. But how far away we are from that, I don't know. Johnny, what's the story with the the long haul? Of course, you don't. You've um, You've been shut since March. You haven't reopened. What's the what's the update there for uh, listeners? Uh, to, be honest, and- to be honest, it's a back and forth with him as well. Like we we like Cormac, we've met our lad. He's done a deal with us verbally, and he's doing this now. And then you know they're coming then looking for you to sign something. Mm. Like that's risky. Like I've two partners, and we're all sitting there going, if "We sit like our guy verbally is sitting in front of us, and on a financial end, he gives us a great deal." Similar to very similar to Cormac's, you know, he gave us like a third of it, and that was great, and we we're all happy with it, and that's fine. But then when he writes something up and he wants you to sign it, and you start looking at it, mm. then he stuff in there like, you can't default over two years, and if you do, I want all the money. Then he's putting in COVID rules, you know. Again, lads, you have to look at it from both sides. Yeah. I can see his, I can see his point. He's trying to protect himself, but equally, I walk away tomorrow, say he's going to put it on the market. Now he's going to have some fella coming up to him trying to lowball him on it. And if your man's going to say, no, no, I'll give you this and give that. He's not getting any COVID package in there. He's not getting this hand as a couple of hundred grand in two years if you walk away. Like, so you're kind of looking at him. And we're actually meeting him again tomorrow. I tried to play both sides of it, but yeah. I keep saying it. You have a bird in the hand here, man. You're are you, still are you, coming in. Are you in the same boat with the Westbury? Westbury, I'm kind of doing a little bit what I said earlier. I'm just not really engaging with him a whole lot. Yeah, you're not doing, yeah. And he, we've done a deal. I'm using PP money to pay him. And he's kind of happy with that. And I'm happy with it. But then people said to me, Jay, you should get something in writing. And he got, I said, lads, look, this whole thing is a gamble. Why oh, start asking him to put stuff in writing? And he wants something in writing off me. He's not going to legally pop. But I can just, my whole joke along this line, lads, and my whole thing, lads, is just stay in the game. Yeah, stay in it. Just be in the game. Yep. If I can give him whatever I have to give him to get us to march, and the more the city keeps burning down and things are going to shy, he sees that more than I do. And then all of a sudden, I look like the golden boy to him because I'm actually giving him something. Yeah. And eventually, he's going to be looking at that. Am I running a gamble? Yeah, I am. That next year, when things, if things pick up and all, he'll say, well, I want all that. I'll want that. But lads, at least I'll be in there and I'll be standing in front of him and I'm in the game. No point in falling out. I don't know if I told this story before, but a friend of mine who's a broker was telling me about an Irish guy. They did, Michael, cut this out anyway. But about... Um, this Irish guy that called up the landlord and the Irish guy was obviously sitting at home and getting his back up like the Irish he must be from Monaghan but he was getting his back up and he was like <clears throat> he basically he, he, he convinced himself this landlord's fucking me this was in April lads in May and a man called up to the, broke, the landlord and says I want all this rent forgiven I'm not paying you this I'm not paying you that but the poor guy worked himself up that much in his head I can't blame him he was sitting at home thinking I'm on the hook for all this but he never even engaged with the landlord and basically called the landlord and says, I'm, <laughs> I'm not paying you this and I'm not paying you that and I'm not doing this and that. Well, he then pushed all the wrong buttons. Then yeah, the landlord's no looking going, this is what I'm dealing with. You know, this isn't going to work. You can cut out the money in birth. So just for people, just to, for people who don't know, Johnny, you you were opening a new bar there just before the shutdown. It was called yeah. the, the Westbury, a couple of blocks away from the long haul and you have yeah. yet to open it. Basically, you were opening it today. The day 
Yeah, for Paddy's Day, I think, it. this year. So Probably open it for the Paddy's Day and then close it the next day yeah. and fix it up the way it should have been nearly finished. <laughs> I hope you wouldn't care too much. Not at all. Paddy's so Day. For the, for the long haul, so, Johnny, like, um, are you, were, was the landlord offering, if, he offer, if he's offering you a deal, how long is that deal for, basically? Does he say six months, 12 months, or is it... No, to be fair, to him, the, the negotiation on the rent is for at least through 21. Yeah. But okay. again, all these deals sound great. But we're not open. And this is not a landlord's fault. This again goes back to the governor, in my opinion, and the, and the mayor. Like at the deal he gave me, lads, if I got it to 50% even, and with the deal he gave me, I'd open for the championship this weekend. And I'd show the gap. But like apart from even whether you'd get away with it or you wouldn't, let's get back to the COVID thing here. I'm running the risk of people coming in there, an older gentleman coming in there to watch the game. And... You know, he gets the COVID. Where did you get it? I was in the long hall the weekend watching the Cavan game. Close you know what I mean? I'd love to do it. I would love nothing more to be in there with Seamus from Mayo watching at the weekend and providing the service we're watching. But then you're hearing of lads paying like 30 and 40 grand fines to get their license back. They didn't cause this. Like, are yeah. you kidding me? And that, 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 the frustration for me is the gap, to be honest. And like Cormac this weekend with Six Nations and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, let the bar open. Let them do it the way they're doing it in Rhode Island and Long Island all summer. So Cormac could set up all the partitions, put the partitions along the bar, and then if we have everybody in there at social distancing, he can fit whatever upstairs for you, Cormac, and they'll be looking out over the balcony. Yeah. Now, to get into the mental health end of it, you've, there's, old Irish, there's old Irish guys living in Jersey City and places like that that come into the likes of me and Cormac to watch the Irish sports. They're not, where are they going to watch the Six Nations this weekend? People say, oh, they get GA go. GA go, same fella still has a flip phone, man. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're like, you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're just, just being presumptuous that everybody knows how these things operate. So with the long haul, good deal with it, Michael, on paper. But what's a good deal until we get open? Like, as Cormac and them now have done a good deal. But, and I'm not just saying this because Cormac's on, and I know a lot of his sister bars has done this. I'd be very friendly with Noel, like in, in yeah. Blooms. These bars that stayed open all along and tried it, they, I'm not saying that they deserve, but they do deserve so much credit for trying it and sticking with it. Absolutely. Like, it's not, it's no day at the beach for Cormac to go in there and stand there and look at these two waitresses looking back at them at times and walking around and you're questioning yourself going around and blah, blah, blah. But they will be in a better position than the rest of us. They will, and deservedly so. And let them bars have a chance. Why not even, even let them bars that war? I know that sounds a little silly, but... Cormac's done a deal there my point is he's done a deal with his landlord right now so he will be able to survive through that winter period the fellas that didn't open if this other loan doesn't come in which I'm very confident will but if this PPP loan doesn't come in for some mad reason mark my words we're all done Mm. every one of us are done and it's not sustainable and you know what Not, not being bad if you're not done you're an idiot yeah because you're going to be you're going to lose everything Oh, yeah, and you'll see it after Christmas. Well, I've said all along, and I said in an earlier podcast, January and February. Yeah. That's when you're going to see uh, people are right texting around. Oh, you see the main fiddlers close and say, Yeah, January and February, you, you'll stop texting, lads. Be like when you seen the good looking board when you first came to America. Remember, you nudged your mate on another road, check out your one, check out your one. At about four o'clock, you stopped nudging each other. They were everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. But that's that's what the bars are going to be like. You're going to stop texting, lads, and saying, You see the long hall's gone, big and whistle's gone, mean fiddlers gone. They're all fucking gone, lads. So what's the Johnny? What's the it's end of October now? The championship scene is starting. Is starting at home. Are you gonna? For Hurling, what a chance! This weekend. 
Are you what? Are you going to open it all? Or what's the... um, I'm still debating about it, to be honest. With you. But the, here's the dilemma I'm in as well. And this is where it shows the other thing. Like Cormac, you'd have to go and pay premium sports now to have the rights to it. There's another expense. Like now I had paid for it, I think, at the start of the year with some of the stuff. Okay. So I'd already paid for it. But I don't, I don't think I'd paid for the championship. I'd paid for the league. But I might have paid for the whole thing to start. Now, your man rang me yesterday and I actually forgot to return his call. But let's say I did open, right? Let's say it's Saturday or Sunday and I open. And I start gradually getting in. We'd often have two or three lads in watching the game. Yeah. But again, now, now I've got to stop the fridge. I've got to do all that. I, lads, I literally would do that. I'd have no problem doing that. I'd literally buy the Irish breakfast myself in the butcher block and I'd bring them in. I'd have no problem doing all that. And I would put a job in there. What do I do as the championship goes on? What do we do when it comes to the semi-final and final? And then you've 400 people wanting to come and watch it. Yeah. Would, would you, what do we do about, then? Worry about that when it comes down the road, maybe? But like, No, it, you do. But, but you start providing the service then. Yeah. You still, have, take you it still away. have to have an answer for them. Yeah. I, yeah I, I'd, I'd send tickets. If, they were, if you were charging 20 quid to get into the long haul, Johnny, if, if, to get me a spot in or get into a bar somewhere, I'm sure people will pay it just to get that interaction and just to get into a bar. No, and well, okay, but let's say I'm up to 50%. So, or even if, if I was up to 100%, fine. 100% is not going to happen before a vaccine. Get that out of our heads. Not happening. Connecticut have started reversing theirs. Other places that went to 75. New I Jersey. agree with you, Michael. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Michael. But at the same time, then you have an onus on you of the actual health end of things if someone contracted, contracted it in there. And listen, not to be bashing any other places. And let's call it spade a spade. It's a free-for-all in Woodlawn at the moment. Like, it's a free-for-all up there. It's like there is no COVID. And good luck to them. And I mean that. And I hope I'm not misquoting them that. Good luck to them. I'm happy for the bar owners, and I really am. But you get an outbreak in some shape or form, and then you have people in the long haul or in the big and whistle, and that's where it comes from, or this. Oh, yeah, it comes up. It's the blame game, lads. And as Irish people, we love the blame game. I know yeah. that from my own family at home. My dad had it, and half the village were blaming my dad and his friends from Galton. And he was getting, like, literally, was getting, not abuse to him, but he was getting bad, like, lip over the fact that, oh, he's a spreader and all. They love it at Ireland at home. The curtain, the curtain twitchers, you know what I mean? Yeah. In America, you wouldn't have that blame game and such. They'd literally have the concern for you first there as opposed to the blame game. But I'd love to have that problem, Michael, and I have envisioned it. Wouldn't it be great in some shape or form? And, but let's say, I don't care in the podcast saying this, let's say I did it behind closed doors. That, that'd be even more reckless on me than to fill a bar. And all it would take, lads, because of this governor and this mayor having 311 numbers that you can text. Imagine someone taking a video or a text of the long haul bump and then my livelihood is gone. For what? I, when I open, Johnny, for, for when the indoors open there, we have to put a, you have to put a sign up at the, on the, at the window. Like we were talking about today, the number on it or something? With the number on it. If, if you see, and it's anybody that's walking by, if you see anything like overcrowding or something in this bar, call this number. And we have to... We have to put that you have up. To, you have to display that, don't you? In order to be open. Yeah. Like, that's mental, lads. Come on. That <laughs> yeah. is literally mental. That'd be like Larry Murphy putting a sign on his window. You know what I mean? If you see yes. me leaving the house with a shovel and rope <laughs> and some lion, please call the wife tell, or the local station. station. But is there, has, <laughs> is there anyone that has your back here, lads, in terms of uh, a bar or the, the restaurant industry lobby? Is there anyone, like, there's nothing happening from the government, but there's no one seems to be pushing back representing you either to... to well, I'll just give some an answer to that, Cormac, before you, just to give it some clarity or the reason why they mightn't, or as regards any of them organisations, absolutely fucking not. Nah, Beer useless. companies and all. Yeah. Useless. Politics. A whole lot of them. 
and it's pure politics. But the other way of looking at it, and this is to go back to like Foxy, the, the lads doing the marketing off. Right. Like all these marketers, the intentions are amazing and they're brilliant. But my situation, we've just discussed it here. Marketer is proof of it. Everyone's situation is completely different. different. This yeah. is not like a no smoking law. This is not like any of these other laws. There's no black and white in this. My landlord, I have a deal with my landlord, I'm crime portal, I can't open. If we go march and as you say, one of these governing bodies help us, Michael, that's great. They turn around and say, there you go, you're 50%. Landlord is going to look at that and he's like, Bum. like as Cormac says, he's a good deal down to a third of his rent. That landlord finds out now that Cormac gets 50%. He's every right maybe to say to Cormac, you know what, let's change that from a third up to 50%. Cormac's in a good shape with his, but there is a lot of people out there that have yeah. that. Some lads don't even have a relationship with their landlord. Some lads, some of these landlords have inherited the building from their father. They don't care. They're literally like, give me, like the one I said about Morris's guy. So there is no one fighting the Michael genuinely in the answer. But again, and it's a bit like Ireland at the moment, they're all fighting their own battles and everything else. Like your own wife, Michael, and stuff like that. The gyms are fighting their corner. Everyone else. And they're all right. The hair salons. Everybody is fighting their own corner. So it's hard to get sympathy from other circles because a lot of their attitude is, oh, sure, we're all in it together. Like yeah, you've a march. You've a march in Midtown there. And then, it's all, it was all Irish on it. Was that, like, I was just about to say it. You took the words out of there. Yeah, no, I was just about to say that with the match. It was, there was no, everybody was Irish. It was like an yeah. Irish match. That was it. There was no... Uh, how many no were at a Cormac? Second one had a good turnout, did it? Uh, well, I wasn't, I missed the first one, so I don't, I can't compare. But it was probably about four or five hundred at the second one, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it seems everyone's talking, yeah, like, yeah. but no one's coming together in a kind of a unified force. But then if you do kind of come together and question everything, you've seen it there on social media, social media, you'd be lambasted you'd be like for, for thinking that you should try something else. You know, you can't go against yeah. the, the prevailing view. Yeah. So you're kind of, you, you're caught totally yeah. on, 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 from all angles. Like. But you can't, yeah. This, and you, like, we have a crowd, the, the Hospitality Alliance. I don't know if you're a part of them, Johnny, or no. I get emails from them all the time. And they sent out an email today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would let me join anything. She thought it was going to turn into the IRA. They're fucking <clears> thanking <throat> the, the, the mayor in the city for. Uh, they're for, thanking the mayor in the city. Done. Yeah, all the work you're he's kidding done. Me. I'm like, are you fucking you're are you kidding, kidding me? me? Sorry, watch the language. <laughs> no, okay. go for it. It's a long haul podcast. You're like, you're kidding me. They thanked the mayor for thanked all the Thanked the mayor, yeah. No, I was like, wow. And, like another factor as well, and Johnny, you touched on it on our last, last podcast and comic. I was talking to you last night about it that the the crime area, but you were just saying, or the the crime, the uptick in crime that has happened in the city over the last couple of months, probably more it's a trend before COVID. But you said even the drug the drug use around your area there that it's it's a deterrent for people to even come in when you see that. I so. It's it's disgusting. I mean, I, so I deal so with what's, ha- what's happening by you if. if Last week, I had a guy in the doorway right beside me. I was walking into work at like 10.30 in the morning, about to open up, and here he's shooting up between the toes. Really? Yeah, right beside me. And then there's a guy across the street. Saying the toes dirty, just for the record there. With a, how dirty were they? Like, you know what I mean? That's, oh, that'd, be my, that'd be my thing straight away there. I'd be like, listen, bro, if you're going to be injecting in there, <laughs> you know, at least you could do with a little petty or many, you know? Nah, he was but, that's, that, but now, Cormac, even for you then, on the crime thing, like, your workload now, like it's the whole thing is, is it's nearly comical. If it wasn't real, it'd be comic. Your hours now, personally, must be now oh. gone from for for no money. But now you you can't leave two waitresses there and a bartender. You can't leave a waitress there on her own. 
to be going in and out. So the workload now has come, just even your presence yes. workload has now come to this. And yet there's no money here. And then on top of that, you have three governing bodies coming in, making sure you're doing everything right. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like it, it makes you it's, wonder, like why am I, why am I, what, what, yeah. what's the point here? And you're, you're like, every day you're going out and you're getting, there's guys coming to the people sitting at tables and they're coming begging. And I got, I had two kids last week or two weeks ago selling um, the candies. Coming right. to the table selling candies. I'm telling them to get the hell out of there, you know. And one guy, one guy actually squares up to you. The kid's like 16. See, oh, that's where the problem is now. Oh. That's where the problem is now. There's no fear anymore. There's, oh, no, there's no fear, fear there anymore. Whatsoever. Like you're dealing with kids there. That's not. Like, that's nearly laughable, that story. Yeah. But you, Vincent's telling me stories about guys squaring up to him, right up to his face outside, you know, the, the Haswells. Yeah. Like, and your man's literally, you know what I mean? And he got the nice brother, like, you know what I mean? Can you imagine <laughs> that with me? So just people know. Haswell Greens is Johnny's uh, brother, Vincent's bar there. So, yeah. so, dear. Oh, but so. you know what I mean? If you're squaring, you're squaring up to Vincent, that shows you what, you've, there's something really wrong. Like, you know what I mean? Vincent's as plaid yeah. as you'd meet. Yeah. But as Vincent said, what happened in that scenario was, lads, that guy was there the week before and he was across the street and the performer is singing. The lads are doing a great thing with music up in the back. Yeah. This is the level the lads are going to to try. And this guy's across the street and he's dancing back and all. No disrespect to the performer, but it's a new world for her as well. But she's nearly engaging in him a little. Yeah. She's doing no harm. She's like, oh, look at this guy enjoying himself. That was an inferior man. Your man's back a week later. He's hassling everyone at the table. Now it's a black-white thing, he says to Vincent at one stage. Oh, that's all Cops end up picking him up, and the guy was actually selling drugs in the neighbourhood. The lad said they knew him. He was a local drug dealer. Jeez. You know what I mean? It's obviously not a very good one if he's on the streets, but anyway. No, dancing. We'll, uh, but I tell you, there was actually one, one good story there from um, a couple of weeks ago. It might have been a month ago, I guess. Some guy, yeah. guy sitting outside Keen's Steakhouse. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's brutal around there, by the way. That area is the worst. <laughs> Honestly, God right. love them. Guy had ordered a steak for lunchtime, whatever. Some homeless oh, no guy way. comes up, grabs the steak, and just kept walking right <laughs> off the place. It'd be great if he came back 10 minutes later and says, Yeah, man, you wouldn't throw that in the grill. There would you? I'm more of a medium. I'm more of a medium. That guy was obviously medium rare. But there you go. But the, I know that, like, that's funny and all. I know you will wrap it up now, Michael. But how do you get that customer back to that bar, lads? How does that fella come back to Keynes? Yeah. He came along this time and he swiped my steak. That's harmless. I'm sitting out there the next time with a steak knife. Steak and you have a guy knife, yeah. who, a guy who's led out of a like you know mental institution, and that's what's happening right around the corner from there on 36 Street, around from Foxy there or something. Yeah, is that 30? There's a hostel over cross road. I don't know if it's still the same. I had told this story recently, but there's three different like levels of people in the in the hostel there. They've come out of Rikers. They've come out of a mental institution, and they put homeless people in there, like genuinely. When you your heart to go out to the homeless fella there, yeah. he's the homeless guy is now got put into this place and he's dealing with this like this is like different level. And then you have the playwright and you have Foxy and you have a few of the other ones there, and they're all trying to operate out on the street. And these people are walking or passing mm. people at the table like yeah, that's where is it where like where is it going to end like fucking oh, hell. We're just just um uh, we're just going to touch on the, the the GA scene here as well. Uh, Cormac, you've been involved, of course. You're a Longford man. You were involved in uh, Longford Club out here, and then you you were Kerry Club last year with myself. Uh, and this year, your yourself, uh, Yorkie there, and Jerry Fox, who's the manager of the New York GA uh, Senior Intercounty Team. He brought you on board, so you were a selector there. And of course, no, I, well, I was just in the I was in the background there. I was just helping out really. 
I know. Yeah, I was nervous. <laughs> ah, yeah. But you were involved. You were you you, you were involved, and oh, you, yeah. you started back early last November, and of course the game went in May. And just give us look. Obviously, it's hugely disappointing that you put in all this effort for a couple of months, and uh, not, not you couldn't see any the fruits of your labor that you couldn't that, that, that the match never went ahead. So just tell us what kind of went on there. Your experience there with the team last year. And you were trying to blood a lot of young, young bloods, young talent this year. Yeah, that was a that was a decision at the start was to try and get as many the good good young American kids in as possible, you know, and get them going and started. And even with Galway coming out, listen, to get them a bit of experience and stuff like that. And you probably would have had, you'd have probably had about a, you'd have had seven or eight American kids probably starting that team. I think we would have been close to it, you know, which would, would have been brilliant. this year, would you? Been close to it, you know. Okay, well. Wow. Now, now there's a couple of good guys came out there from Ireland and stuff like that, and I mean, in fairness, guys put some there was some great effort put in, unbelievable effort, and it was it was sad at the time that when I got called and stuff like that because we were trying to get a second game, we were trying to get into the um, back door, game, yeah. yeah, we were trying to get a backdoor game as well. We kind of pushed it again, and uh, they, they said it wasn't going to happen this year. So maybe next year if it goes ahead. Hopefully, and anyway, I don't know if I'm going to get involved again this year. And I don't know if Jerry's even getting involved. I'm not sure what way that's going to go this year. But it was brilliant to see. And I know Jerry was uh, managing Sligo this year and stuff like that. He's one of my best friends out here. But it, it, it was great to see Barnabas, young American, that American team, win win a senior championship this year. You know, that's that's great to see, and it's great for the football out there. It's that's that's huge. So it is. It's huge for football out here. So it is. But again, you went up there. I was up there for the two games for the final and. I mean, the second day was, it was crazy up there. The crowd up there. The, crowds. the crowd was crazy up there. And I you'd never bring it up. My <laughs> God, it was, uh, I, I don't even know what to say about it. Well, okay, but, but honestly, without getting into conspiracy, Michael's laughing because he knows I'm delighted you brought it up, like, because it was crazy. And I was obviously up there on two occasions for the semi-final and the final, or one, not the final, but I was there for whatever. And it was mental. But, not to throw a spanner in the works in here, lads, but <clears throat> there's been no spike from it. No. There's been no and there's an element of us that we're kind of like, we nearly hoped there's a spike for the listen. And I wasn't hoping for a spike, but I would have loved for something. Nearly. But obviously I'm super happy nobody did. Yeah. But yeah. it's still lawlessness, but it does show you, like if we could touch on Ireland a little bit, like, like we could do a whole podcast and people don't want to listen to that because, you know, but... <clears throat> What do you think of the GAA going ahead in Ireland? Like, what is your thoughts on it? Now, and by the way, there's no right or wrong. And this is similar to what you were talking about earlier on and about getting a governing body involved. Michael could sit here and play one narrative about the bars and the restaurants and the GAA and you could give it a complete opposite one and neither is are wrong. And that's the problem we have at the moment. But to not think, I listen to way too much Irish radio for my misery. I know you do. Yeah, Joe Duffy, man. I have a Joe Duffy group I have going, myself and a few of your mates. But, like, when you have people ringing in, oh, what, the GEA, it's, it's disgraceful, it's going ahead. My daughter works in a salon and she can't go to work and blah, blah, blah. Again, yes, you were right, your daughter, it is terrible. And salons, it is terrible. And gyms, it's terrible. Pitting one against the other. Yeah, what the GEA will do for the fucking average fella, I don't care. I'm in a group of lads, and I don't mind telling you one of the lads, like, because Connor made such a great point in the Connor sketches. But as he said to one of the lads, I agreed with you up to last week. I, Connor said, deep down, I probably thought it shouldn't go ahead. But he said, after last weekend, he said, I got such a buzz. And he wasn't talking about watching it. He was talking about his conversation. 
yeah. that he was able to talk that Sunday night. All he talked about was between the Premier League, leading it into the GAA, this fella getting injured, that fella. And he said, I just felt just, just it was just beautiful to yeah, be I, able to do that. I, I, was in, I, I would have been in that same boat like last week, week before. I was thinking, I think it's crazy. I thought, <clears> but after the weekend and stuff like that, it was, it was something else. I mean, so just to sit down with boys and text boys back and forth about all the games and stuff like that. And you got to feel bad. I, I feel bad for the under 20s. Oh, uh, terrible, man. Oh, man. Two semifinals. I mean, you got to feel bad for those kids. But what kind of a decision is that? Yeah, Somebody explain to me what that is. Now, I know what it is. Yeah. Oh, if we give it to the under-20s, we have to give it to the minors. Yeah. No, no this is don't. a new world, lads. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. It's not yeah. about... It's a typical Irish. We worry about what the neighbours think. Let's try to keep this one happy. Let's try to keep that one happy. Them under-21, lads, now what you've done is you've dragged it out. Now the lads are like, well, what do we do here? What do we do yeah. here? The whole country, that game should have gone ahead before any game, by the way. If they'd have pulled the championship and played that game, I would have nearly said fair play. Yeah. But not letting that game go ahead is absolutely pointless. Like, Michael, you might know better. I don't know. You can tell. But, like, That's the one cool. thing that annoys me is now, by the Pretty way. Far. Yeah, but the one thing that annoys me now is how all of a sudden now everyone's flying the flag that GEA is only amateur. Yet they've been oh, saying for years, oh, it's only amateur by name. It's quite professional. Blaming the county teams that have gone home and partied on the championship, like on the inter-county yeah, teams, is just a joke. Yeah. Like, you look at... Let's be honest, lads. The GEA and the football in the Hurling for the last few years, bar name, is professional. It's so professionally run. These teams are not going to do this. And the only issue they all keep saying, can you imagine if Mayo win it? And he says, and you're telling them fans not to celebrate? Not for nothing, lads. That's the 19th of December. That's a long, long way away. That's don't be worrying about don't be worrying about that. Like, we don't, like, you're letting these, I watched a lot of the games, like all of us last week. The lads all came in, came back to the stands. They sat separate from each other. They went to a lot of lads. They know what it means to people. The only thing I will say, lads, is I just want to see what you think about this. <clears throat> now, it kind of defeats the purpose of this. But where the issue is going to be is, they've been going on about house parties all this time. You are now showing games on Sky Sports. And you're showing it on pay-per-view channels. Yeah, you're going to... Now you're going to create house parties. Yeah, and I don't even mean it's going to be a party. It's, that's generally going to be the senior citizen. There's a man there, like, as Jerry Max says to me, his father is in Mayo, or Jerry's father is in Monaghan. The likelihood is he's going to go in next door to his neighbor because one of them has Sky and the other doesn't. There's two lads now that are going to be in sitting beside each other in the office. And these people are trying harder than anybody to stay alive. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's, it's making no it, sense, it w- but I think people are no. tipping point at home as well. I think something's going to have to, something's going to give. Oh yeah, totally. totally. Like, we, like we thought we were under lockdown here when we were at the epicenter a couple of months ago here in New York yeah. and people were ringing 100%. us. My, it's like paradise here now compared to, oh, yeah. compared to what it is at home. And 100%. it's like, you can feel. Like, t- saying, like, my uncle died in the middle of it there. Like three years of age, and I mean, you couldn't. Nobody could go to the. You couldn't go to the funeral. Ten people at the funeral. Yeah. You know? If I died in normal times, I'd probably be lucky to get ten. Anyway, so <laughs> makes no sense. It, but like, what's what, what's going to happen at Christmas? What's going to happen in January, February when there's small ah. spikes? How long is it going to go on for? But that's look. That's a that. Well, that here, Michael, just to finish, and I know you probably want to wrap up, and it is something we could cover. Like, and nobody will have the answer for this, but I know any of our American listeners would love to know the answer to this. What's the crack with all of us, anyone who wants to go home for Christmas? Right now, where do we all stand as regards to that? Like, are we allowed to go? We are allowed to go because we're Irish hey, you're allowed to go. Yeah, you're allowed so, to go. So if, you're, so if you have a visa and everything's good, because I know a lot of them can't travel on visas at the moment, and that's another thing that doesn't get mentioned a lot at the moment. That's tough. Like, people now... You have to quarantine. Yeah. And if the quarantine right, coming back... Right, but if back, you have to quarantine... 
Right, so you have to quarantine there and you have to quarantine coming back. As far as I know. But, ha- but if you have a job in New York, how are you going home for a month? That's the thing. Like, yeah, that, well, that's, that's the thing. That's what you're going to do. And I know people, <laughs> talk, the friends, they were planning on going home and they book uh, flights booked and they're just not, they're just not going to know. I, I talked you? to so many people that went home and they were never checked once during quarantine at home. Hmm. No, and but even forget it. Oh, yeah, no, they wouldn't. But I'm saying... If you want to do the right thing yourself and you want to do the right thing by yeah. your family and yeah. like a lot of people want to do it, and for elderly people, like you can go into town, like you can go into Dublin, into Smithfield and there's a doctor there, a genuine doctor set up and it's 180 euros and you give it's it the test. test and you can have it within a day. But what do you do? Do you go around and carrying that test around? Oh no, I right, got a test. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But if I yeah. want to do the right thing and I want to go home by my parents and I'm working, still lucky enough to be working in New York. You know that there is lads that are still going to go home on the 15th or 16th of December. Well, I think a lot of them lads don't realize what they're walking into at home yeah. because it's their mother's neighbor is going to be worse than any police officer. Yeah. And the I, onus is, is a little bit, of, if that fella gets sick, I'm talking about Jeffrey O'Connor here now, if he hits the whole of fucking camp and he gets hit, but you know what I mean? Even if it isn't a Jeff's problem or one of the other lads or John Kennedy's are going home, the blame will go to you whether yeah. you like it or not. And you have a responsibility. Do you go or don't you go? And that's a bit rough, Michael. I don't know what your plans would be, but like, would you go home? Would you be able well, to we're do just it? Not, you know? Well, we're just not going home because Laura had problems Which is with what her, I think the, yeah. but the majority of people, we're, we're Michael, gonna are going to... Yeah, but they're going to... The, the majority people, of people, people are going to have to do go, that, right? They were going to go to Slovakia or countries like that, stay there for two weeks and then go and then go to Ireland. And then you might have to... <laughs> Which is... What? That's what... The, well, no, he's right, Carmen. That's, that's what, what people, people are doing. That's what people are planning really? to do, yeah. Yeah. What gets me though is with the, with the situation at home is because I covered a lot of the, of course, the stories here in Queens and uh, over the over the summer. But the, I get the figures are coming out in Ireland and it's look eleven hundred infections a day and there's two or three deaths, but they never say underlying health conditions are. You know, oh, that's the other thing. Yeah, they're just going on infections and they say then that the these tests aren't very accurate. So there's a, and you see why people's behaviour that they're going to their house parties. People like it, there's certain there's a certain point that not everyone's going to agree that you know you have to quarantine and all this. And people will do what they feel they either believe what they're being told or they don't. And as don't, I say, yeah. there's a tipping point now where people are saying, do you know what? I want to live my life and take the small risk. But it was like you said before, Johnny, the window, the curtain nippers or whatever it is, like they're gonna they're curtain, gonna rat, curtain twitchers, curtain curtain twitchers. twitchers, they're gonna rat you up. Or even if you're on social media and you say, do you know, there should be an alternative. You're excoriated on social media for you're censored actually the doctors who have an alternative view are being censored so it's just uh, the outlook when I don't you know see pe- you see people marching in Dublin there over the last few days or whenever protesting against masks like I don't give a shite lads what fucking tree hugger sits in front of me and tells me he's not wearing a mask forever man it's a piece of cloth that's it I don't care if it's your rights I'm not I, I don't I don't care if you don't believe in it I, I really don't and I applaud you for whatever you believe in but if you were telling me you're going to gather together on a bridge to protest on O'Connell Bridge about not wear, wearing masks, they should be all on a list. Them same but people are collecting the dole. They're collecting 350 on the dole and they're in there refusing to wear a mask. Don't tell me of all them hundreds of people there, one or two of them are not going back into a house with an elderly person in it. And are you really going to yeah, roll the dice? The I don't like, believe, I don't how believe. How far are you going to go? Are you going to go six months time when these numbers are the same? How much more are you going to lock it down? There's the... No, Michael, I agree. I don't, I, I, I totally agree with that, but I'm just talking about the mask. It's yeah. a piece of cloth. I agree. I, I do agree with you about the lockdown. Where's it going to stop? I'm with you on the lockdown. Yeah. This thing should be opened up. 
And if you have an underlying condition and you're the one, you isolate. Isolate, yeah. Us four people shouldn't have to isolate yeah. from someone that has an underlying condition. It's, I yeah, totally agree with you focus there, protection, uh, there's another way of dealing yeah. with it. It's the public policy focus protection, that Barrington declaration that people are saying, look, here is an alternative view or an mm. alternative approach to it. Um, there's just two sides of it, but that's... That's, we're not going to we're not going to answer those uh, those those questions here. But uh, Carbrook, just to just to finish up there, um, you're doing a, a, a fundraiser there. You're 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 keeping fit. Tell us what the fundraiser is about and how we can. Uh, running. I'll, I'll <laughs> Perfect time for a fundraiser, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. We just um, we we'll, uh, we'll put out there. and We'll support you. Play rugby USA. They're um, a local. Uh, they actually their office is around the corner from me on Thirty Seventh Street there. But uh, they basically work with inner city kids, or not even the inner city, but disadvantaged communities really. And um, they use the power of rugby and the value of the game, the values that come with the rugby game to teach these kids. And uh, they're actually really good, and they, they do a lot of work with the uh, inner city kids and stuff like that. So um, they they usually have five or six spots in the marathon. Of course, the marathon cancelled this year. So they, they have those guys that were already signed up and then they asked me if I'd get involved and just do a bit of running. I said, yeah, I'm back running anyway. So, so what's, happy what, to do it, so. What's, what's the fundraiser you're doing? The more money you raise, the longer you're going to run. Just yep. give us a rundown on what's going on. So it's, um, we basically, uh, I started off with, uh, if, I, if I got $1,000 for them, I'd run, uh, run 10 miles. So uh, I'm up to, uh, money, I'm, I'm not too bad. I'm only up to uh, 1,052 right now. So I only have 10 and a half miles to do so far. And say if we got you up to five or six thousand, would you have to run it continuously, or do you stop? I'd have to do so. I know what I'd be doing. I'd be handing the handing the watch off to my wife, Carissa, and and the other <laughs> off for a few miles. Yeah. And what's the? Well, we put the link up there. We, we do. We, how do you contribute? It's on your Twitter. What's your Twitter um, handle there, Cormac? And uh, go to uh, it's at Play Rugby USA. Okay. People could donate at playrugbyusa.org. That's playrugbyusa. .org. And when do you plan on uh, doing the run? November 1st. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah, it was the, day, the original day of the marathon anyway, so. Very good. We'll keep, we'll keep catching you, so. No yeah, problem. No, just keeping in with the rugby crowd and stuff like that, you know, it's been good. It's yeah. been good to me, so. Cool. Do you want to add anything on the on the on the, the gas scene, Carmok? Just kind of, I think we went off to the COVID thing about it there, but just uh, like we were at the final, the Barnabas final, and the, obviously you saw a lot of them would have played with New York. <clears> there was we were on about the, it was a great occasion. I think everyone wanted for people who were just listening. St. Barnabas were the first All American team to win the New York Senior Football Championship this year. Never been done. I think it was ninth. 1915, I think, or 1905, one of the others when the, cha- the championship has been running. So the first time After it was ever done. So they they drew with the, the reigning cha- yeah they drew with the reigning champions in the first. Well, and then, and then they ultimately beat them after extra time in, in, in the second game. It was depleted championship this year. There was no sanctions, but it just shows that the Sligo lads had won it last year, and they beat us in the semi final last year. Cormac would carry, so they were a good right, team. Yeah. We so um, yeah, we should have. We were robbed. <laughs> but um, no, that second, the second game. I mean, the two games were there were two great games actually. So there were fabulous games of football. But that second game, Sligo were up by ten points after fifteen minutes in the second half, mm-hmm. and Barnabas came back, scored three goals there, and came back and beat them in an in extra time. Yeah, I mean it was crazy. crazy I was football. I was surprised, Cormac, because we played Sligo last year, and I think um, they were in like a we brought it back to a draw. They went a point or two up. And they held out. They kept the ball for the last five or ten, five minutes. We couldn't get hold yeah. of it when they we went were to the actually. Point. We were level with them, and we uh, 
we had a free about 30 yards outside and straight in front of the goals and we missed it. That oh, Luke, no, it wasn't Luke Kelly. He was. Luke was gone off injured in the first half in that match, of course. Was he playing at all? Yeah. Luke <laughs> went off injured. Yeah, of course, not like Luke. It's all injured. Yeah. So I, I thought that they, I thought that they would have held off. I thought they would have been, but it just, it just shows you, like, the, the, yeah, no, I, I, I thought they were, they would have, they would have won it. It underlines the, the, the Barnabas performance. But they were, they had a few injuries for the second game, and were missing a couple of guys. So you can mean. But still, you can't take it away from Barham. But Barham's were brilliant. Yeah. They were absolutely brilliant. So the, I just got some fine footballers. You got that young footballer there, young Brazen. Mike Brazen. Yeah. Adam was a great footballer as well up in the park. He's one yeah. of the best. Up- Frank Brady said he was the best up here in the 90s. That kid will be around for years, you know. Yeah. You, yeah. He would play a lot of football. And so uh, you're not, you're probably not getting involved this year, but they, have they gone back at all? Is there any point in them going No, back? there's not. There hasn't been any word whatsoever. Nothing. Okay. Nothing about no it so far. So we'll see. And that's all for this week. Let us know what you think by leaving us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Long Haul Podcast. We hope to get Michael McNamee on soon, the co-owner of The Mean Fiddler. But in the meantime, check out our previous podcast on the bar industry titled COVID-19 Shutdown Will New York City Bounce Back? Or check out some of our other podcasts, including our US Visas episode with Larkin Shannon, our New York GAA County Finals review with Frank Brady, our interviews with Cork football legend Larry Tompkins, Dublin footballer Jack McCaffrey, former Galway hurler Johnny Glynn, and former Kerry County Board Chairman Pat DeBag O'Sullivan, and lots, lots more. Or check out thelonghaulpodcast.com for more. Can you dance the polka? And when we got to Bleecker Street, we stopped at 44. Our mother and her sisters there to meet her at the door to me away. You Santi, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka to me away? Santi, my dear Annie. Oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka? And when we got inside the house, the drinks were passed around. The liquor was so awful strong, my head went